0: When we think about any serial killer, the uh, first thing that comes to our mind is that the person must be a loner who does not have any family or commitment or a happy life in general. But that was not the case with uh, Gary Ridgway. He had a family. He had a stable job. He had a happy life. But there was a secret life which he led, which no one knew about for more than 19 years.
1: To another episode of Right Hand Geek Show. We are continuing our serial killer series today,
0: and uh, this episode we're going to talk about Gary Leon Ridgway, who uh, is also known as the Green River Killer.
1: Yeah, actually, Shankar is going to talk about it
0: more. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, back to me. <laughs> the first time I got to know about Gary Ridgway was through the same uh, Reader's Digest article which uh, we read more than like fifteen years ago.
1: I think I had that copy of Reader's Digest when I was in college, wow. because I had taken few copies with me just in case I get some spare time to read, and I think this was one of them, and I still remember sitting in my college room um at night and reading these uh this this stuff got scared <laughs> I, I was not I, I didn't get scared there's nothing to get scared in that as such i but yeah, I'm not a fan of horror movies.
0: Well, okay. So, let's uh, get back to the point. Uh, We're going to talk about Gary Ridgeway, the Green River Killer. So, uh, unlike, as I said, other serial killers, this guy had a family. And uh, he had a stable job. And he lived a life which was like pretty normal when you see from the outside. But he had the secret. The secret was that he wanted to kill people. He had the urge to kill people. And it actually satisfied him. So... Most of his targets were uh, sex workers and women who were vulnerable, and you know runaways in general. So, uh, one of the things he expressed during an interview is that uh, the reason behind this, uh, the killing spree was that he just didn't care. He just wa- he hated women who did prostitution as a work and he just wanted to kill as many prostitutes
1: okay. as he wanted that is a little hypocritical of him <laughs> if i understand it right he was actually in fact using the services that prostitutes provide and then kill them later isn't it
0: yeah yeah he's actually a hypocrite if you look into it
1: and again this uh this quality of uh you know leading a normal life and being a serial killer in an alternate life i think that is the main skill of being a serial killer isn't it you blend into the society and nobody even knows that you are you are a person with this dark side of
0: uh, that's what the people who were close to him they used to say you know like we never expected this guy to be a serial killer yes he was strange interacting with people and all he was strange especially to women but the thing was uh, some people have said that you'd never expect a, ga- a guy like gary ridgeway to commit such crimes because mm. he used to be someone you can just approach directly and say hi and he would be like yes hi how are you that kind of co- conversation you could have with, have with him but <laughs> he had this you know uh mirror image. <laughs> an opposite side to him which was like so cruel. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. No, I'm interested more in the this entire concept of being a serial killer. You never know who is the, who is the guy sitting next to you.
0: <laughs> what the hell does that mean? You think I'm a serial killer?
1: I didn't mean that. I mean, it can be anywhere. Office, school, college. Yeah,
0: true that, true that. Uh, let's just keep a, you know, safe eye out there and like, you know, if we see any signs, we'll pick it up. Hopefully. Yeah. So... The crimes committed by Gary Ridgeway is that he got convicted for 49 murders. 49 yeah, murders. Which happened between uh, 1982 to 1998. It's also presumed that he murdered some women in 2001 one two, which uh, people are not certain. So does this guy have some kind of record to his name for, you know, having 49 murders to his name? I'm not sure about that. Maybe he does have, but the thing is, think about killing like 49 people in a lifetime like one person killing 49 people and getting convicted for that Mm. but the thing is the actual thing is that he has already confessed for 71 murders 71 71 so yeah 22 murders are yet to be you know he's not yet convicted for that
1: yeah the judge Uh, would have had a long time you know reading out the sentence
0: yeah so there is a video you can go check it out maybe we can link it probably No, let's not do that. (laughs) Where uh, the judge is, you know, uh, talking about the sentence and he'd be like, you know, you did this crime. Do you plead guilty? So he'll be like guilty. I plead guilty. I plead guilty. He goes and and says that that like 49 times.
1: Maybe like a couple of hours.
0: Yeah, but uh, the thing is, uh, he has already confessed to 71 murders, but it's speculated that he has killed over like 90 people. So the action number, which is proved is like 49. Mm-hmm. and uh he has con- uh, confessed to 71 murders but uh there is also a speculation that he has killed more than 90 people
1: so when he says 71 murders does he give the names of them or he's just say giving out a number just like that
0: see uh of course when the number is like so huge you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to remember so, everyone you know mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I, I i am just thinking whether he's just trying to show off like you know saying that i've killed more people than you can actually find out uh, It can be, right? It's just satisfying his ego, saying, telling the authorities that, you know, you have found out uh, 49 cases that I've done, but there are still more which you are not able to clear up.
0: Okay, yeah, I I get your point. But the thing is, if it it was the case of Ted Bundy, I would have, you know, agreed to you. But this guy, the thing is, uh, he was arrested in 2001 for the murder of five women. Okay, that's the only evidence the cops had. But uh, later on they kept on collecting evidence and it went to 49 and some of the crimes uh, the cops even got to know because he helped the cops to go to the place where he had dumped the body and he showed them the bodies. Mm -hmm. So he was like uh, when they used to go to this dump sites he suddenly used to remember because because of the huge amount of number of uh, murders he has co- he had committed he actually forgot some of them mm. so whenever they used to like pass through these dump sites he used to be like oh yeah i i think i've done something over there let's go check <laughs> it out it was that bad man it's so, like
1: it's like you remembering that you've been to this restaurant just by passing in front yeah, of it uh,
0: yeah so the thing is i don't I, I i don't think he is he's bragging about what mm. he has done i yeah, think he is d- actually i don't
1: think 71 murders i don't think he is a guy who's in need of bragging because 49 itself is a big number yes
0: so uh yeah let's uh go back a little bit like talk about his uh, you know early childhood and all that so he was born in uh, 1949 feb 18th 1949 in uh, salt lake city utah and uh, he was born to uh marion thomas ridgeway so uh From his childhood, he didn't have a normal childhood because uh, he was a bedwetter into his, like, you know, teenage years. Hmm. So, the thing was, his mom used to be, like, very domineering. And she used to, you know, uh, scold him for doing that. And she used to, like, wash his uh, private parts when he does that. So, the thing was, he was very much ashamed of doing that. But at the same time, he had some kind of feelings for his mom, it seems. Mm -hmm. So, in interviews, he has uh, confessed that he had lustful feelings for his mom and at the same time he hated that she used to like domineer him Mm -hmm. okay so it was like a love-hate relationship with women for him since childhood and the same thing carried on when he reached adulthood and he he hated women who he thought were, were like degrading the society kind of thing you know sex workers and all that so this rage turned into a killing mentality that's how we ended up killing these many people but there were like so many triggers in between so one of the thing was when he was 16 years old uh this the cops came to know know about after he was arrested so uh when he was 16 years old there, uh, he took one kid six year old kid to the woods and stabbed the kid through uh the rib cage mm-hmm. and it punctured the liver and he just went out w- went off from there the kid survived but they uh, he the kid was not able to identify the person and uh, when this thing came out finally the the cops asked him like why did you do that so his answer was i just wanted to know how it felt to kill someone mm. so that was his his answer and he was not a great student at school he used to get you know D grade ds and all that and uh, so uh, at the age of 19 um he met his uh, high school sweetheart, and he got married at age twenty or something.
1: I just want to make a point here before we go further. Mm-hmm. It's uh, kind of reinforcing what I have said in one of our p- previous episodes. Okay. If you look at the serial killer series that we have done, like Richard Ramirez case and Ed Gein and now Gary Ridgway, the one thing common in all of them is the is their childhood, right? The experiences yeah. that they have in the child they have had in the childhood, mostly the influence of their parents okay one guy had this parents who fought with each other and all that stuff another guy had um this dominating mom which is the same in this case as Mm -hmm. well so if you look at it in most of the serial killers at least i don't i'm not much into psychology and stuff like that but i think the early age of a child kind of shapes into what he becomes in a later stage um yeah that's that's what sort of that's
0: true and one more point we can notice is that one common thing between these three killers we have talked about is that they all have low IQs so this guy has an IQ which is uh, in in the 80s mm-hmm. so yeah Probably that can also attribute to yeah, some of it, these behaviors. Yeah, I'm,
1: it, it's not just one factor because there might be other... There are surely other kids who have had a tough childhood, but they don't all grow up into serial killers. Yeah, There are certain factors which when combined together form a recipe for something like this, maybe low IQ and having a bad childhood and many other factors, right?
0: True that. So, yeah, uh, moving on. Um, it is said that Gary Ridgeway had, you know... Uh, an insatiable sexual appetite he wanted sex all the time i mean isn't that how all the guys are (laughs) Uh, would you see we might have that but the thing is would you just go around and tell your wife you know i want to i want to do this thing to you in the park or like in the car in public public places he used to do that with all his three wives he used to be like very sexually active and demanded sex in the public the places. Yeah, even in the public places, like every day and even in public places. So he every to, day.
1: Yeah, it's maybe every you can day, understand. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: but in public places, seriously? I don't know, man. Seriously. That is sick. I mean,
1: this guy's sick.
0: Yeah. So uh, after he got married at the age of 20, um, he joined the Navy and he was shipped to Vietnam. So... He joined the Navy and he
1: was shipped to him. <laughs> yeah,
0: because, you Yeah. Know. <laughs> That's funny to
1: think because shipped is mostly associated with, with the, when you buy stuff from
0: Amazon. Well, you can't consider him to be a human, you know. He's an animal. He's a commodity, yeah. is it? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So he was uh, there in Vietnam for two years and he worked in a supply ship and saw active combat for mm-hmm. two years. At the same time, uh, to keep his uh, sexual, you know, appetite active. He mm-hmm. used to uh, use the services of sex workers. Where? In Vietnam? In Vietnam. And the thing oh, is... Was he... that allowed for the military
1: there? I mean, they would have
0: done... You you heard about what Ramirez's uh, what is it, cousin yeah. someone did, oh, right? Yeah. So I don't yeah, think they course. need
1: to even take service. They were yeah, doing yeah. a service themselves.
0: So, uh, he used to actively take the service of uh, sex work- workers and one thing uh, was that he never used to use protection. <laughs> so
1: so you're telling me like genghis khan he has a lot of descendants somewhere in vietnam
0: i don't know probably he might have it's a bad thing anyway we don't need more people like him with his dna so uh while doing this he caught uh gonorrhea and Mm. he was very much you know angry about it but still he continued having sex
1: once you learn that it is unprotected, then you should You should learn from your experiences.
0: Yeah, so this was from like 70. That kind of proves
1: his IQ point.
0: I I know, right? I know. So this was from 70 to 72. And when he came back, he got to know that his first wife... His uh, like uh, school sweetheart, high school sweetheart, had cheated on him, and they divorced. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Karma. <laughs> yeah, but but still, this guy had like super, you know, uh, his he he needed to feed feed his uh, appetite. So uh, he was not the the kind of man who could live without a woman. And uh, soon enough, he was in a relationship with this uh, uh, soon to be second wife. And they got married soon enough. So this was in the 70s. And, uh, it is said that they had a happy married life till his first baby, Matthew, was born. Once Matthew was born, he was, he did not have much access to her, you know. And, uh, he used to get frustrated because he was not able to get sex, uh, whenever he wanted. He was working at this uh, truck painting company called Kenworth Truck Factory. And, uh, he had uh left navy at that point of time and uh he was available most of the time but she was not because of his baby <laughs> you know what i
1: <laughs> i was just remembering few things that you know a few of my friends and colleagues they who are married they discuss about the same thing they say once the <laughs> baby comes you know what it's a dry spell for <laughs> <laughs> a long time.
0: Keep an eye on them. <laughs> you don't know what they'll do.
1: <laughs> no, they're pretty harmless people. No, I'm, just kidding <laughs> that. I'm just
0: kidding. So this happened and uh, what resulted is that he became more aggressive. So his idea of foreplay changed from, you know, the usual stuff to choking his wife.
1: Oh man. Yeah.
0: So what happened was she divorced him mm. and this was one of the trigger point which led him to commit all these murders so they divorced in 1981 and the killing spree started in 1982 so that means uh, he was basically trying to satisfy his uh,
1: sexual appetite so his basis for all his killing was that yeah is that how it is
0: and the thing was uh, while married to his second wife he turned pretty religious and uh, he used to read bible every day and uh, (laughs) load sex workers at the same time when he was <laughs> taking the services of sex workers. One thing you should know is that even while he was married, he mm-hmm. used to take their, uh, you know, services.
1: So he used to cheat on his wives anyway. Yeah, all the Which time. is, again, not in favor of religion, right? Yeah. And uh, this is interesting because, <laughs> you know, mostly when people talk about these kind of things. Um, if you take Richard Ramirez's case, he was a satanist is what he claimed. Hmm. So some people blame it on that saying that, okay, if you're an atheist or you're a satanist, these kind of things, demonic position happen in your head and you start doing things. But this guy is a religious guy.
0: I know. See, so the thing was, uh, what people like, what, uh, the psychologists are saying is that probably he was too religious. So because of that, he hated, uh, women who, uh, offered sex for money. And uh, at the same time, his sexual appetite was, like, too high that he couldn't stop getting their services. Yeah, so that's a very screwed yeah, up mind. Yeah, and he used to read Bible every day, go, like, door to door and, like, preach. He used to do all that. <laughs> at the same time, he used to take uh, services from sex sex workers. Yeah. And uh, so, the murder spree happened from, uh, started from 1982. Mm. So, what he used to do is that, like, uh, The murders used to happen at Seattle, you know, uh, Washington, that area.
1: Seattle. That entire uh, state is like a gloomy state. It's always raining and it's dark. You remember Twilight movie?
0: Oh, yeah. Accidentally, Uh, we watched the first part.
1: Should we go back to that? That happens in Seattle. You have seen how the Oh, yeah, that's Seattle. Yeah.
0: It's like so gloomy every time, like raining and all that. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So uh, he used to pick up uh, women from, you know, the South Pacific Highway. Uh, by baiting them uh, with his with the pictures of his son <laughs> when this was later
1: later <laughs> when you pause put a pause there I was just imagining something else <laughs> uh, okay anyway move on
0: i didn't get that probably after we are done you should tell me <laughs> yeah so right. late, this was like, like later into the you know killing thing because uh, once the killing spree started you know women were started becoming more uh aware of this thing and were like very much careful mm. but then he'd show you know like uh open his wallet and be like you know yeah
1: this is what i was talking about so when you said it something like you said something like this he would uh bait the females by showing him his
0: Okay, so he, you okay, put a pause I,
1: there so i was like <laughs> okay what oh,
0: they have huge hearts <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so he used to show the picture of his son and gain that trust see any uh women would be like you know he's got a son he's got a family mm-hmm. he just wants sex so it's it's okay to go with him hey eh? That see, sounds really creepy. Okay, see, isn't it? He he would go by the line like you know my life is not that great. Uh-huh. I'm not having a oh, good sex okay. life got or it. something or I am divorced. Um, I have a son. I'm divorced so I'm not getting what I want. So this it. is why I'm like so he gains trust like that. Mm-hmm. He should take them to uh, some secluded place, his home or even you know do the deed in the truck. And after raping them, he would like choke them from behind. He he would use his, his arm to choke them from behind and kill them. And what he used to do is like he dumped the body in the green river.
1: Oh, that's why the name. That's green. why
0: the name Green River Killer Killer came up. And uh, so uh, in the first month he killed two people. July uh, nineteen eighty two. And in the second month he killed five women. It was going at an alarming rate. And uh, one uh, one day, uh, someone who was like passing through the river found like a mannequin underwater with hands stretched out. Mm-hmm. And they reported the cops and they came and saw that it was not actually a mannequin. And when they searched, there were like a lot of women there. In the river? Dead bodies of women. Yeah. Wow. And it, it created a media outrage and uh, an investigation was started uh, with a task force called the green river task force which employed 25 dictators full time into this thing
1: imagine having a river nearby where all of a sudden one day you start seeing these bodies flowing
0: by that's right so i was watching this documentary about uh, gary ridgeway and uh, one woman said that you know uh, green river valley is the place we used to go every weekend and you know just spend time there but now it's like a nightmare knowing that there are like lot of women who whose dead bodies were there mm. and uh, they didn't even know back then in the eighties like who did that so they 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 had this insecure feeling when they were there they might be the next one of cool. course
1: it, you, when the killer is not caught yet you always have that feeling that he's around mm. and you might be the next one
0: yeah, so after killing them, what he used to do is that he used to lay the cops in different positions like fashionable positions. He used to get them naked and like uh, place them together, most of the bodies, so that he can come back later and have sex with it.
1: Necrophilia? Yes. So, so you said bodies. That Does it mean that every victim, he used to save their bodies somewhere?
0: He used to dump it somewhere mm-hmm. most of the time. Not the first few, mm-hmm. which he dumped it in the river. Later on, when he wanted to be like, you know, I don't want to kill... Uh, more people because i'd get caught he had this idea if i constantly kill people i'd get caught so what he used to do that kill someone place them somewhere and uh, come back whenever he needs
1: so he's becoming more sicker and sicker the more you're describing things about him he's turned into necrophilia now
0: Because uh, the cops, when they found some of the bodies, they didn't have a clear idea if he was actually doing it. And you know who was the person who uh, gave them an insight into this? Like, he might be coming back to have sex with the cops. Well, um,
1: only... uh devil can understand another devil I suppose.
0: Exactly. So uh, the task force, the Green River task force had had, uh, officers such as uh, Dave Reichardt and uh, Robert Keppel. So they got a letter and uh, it was from Ted Bundy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, we have not discussed him yet in this uh, podcast, but in case we do, that might be the most difficult episode for everybody uh, to listen.
0: See, the thing is, I'm pretty sure we'll do it and uh, if you don't know who he all if you already don't know who he is he's one of the most prolific serial killers of this time the task force got a letter from another serial killer saying that you know uh, i might be able to help you guys so they did not have any leads they had to take this so for two days they sat down and had a chat with uh, ted bundy and uh, he told them that The psychology might be like, you know, uh, he might be leaving them there so that he can come back and uh, have sex with the cops. Uh, Most of the times when the cops found the body, it was so deteriorated. They used to find it after months because he used to hide it properly in secluded places. And he used to do uh, like put gum, gums, chewing gums and uh, cigarette buds and other materials which were belonging to someone else so that they couldn't trace it back to him so gary Ridgeway was like very, very cunning in that aspect so one of the uh, solutions which ted bundy suggested was that was that if you could find a fresh body don't take it off leave it there stake out that place and probably he'll come back and that might be the best chance for you to catch him
1: so, so fresh body in the sense in case of murder happens again yeah in, near the green river
0: yeah so uh, yeah, one more thing he used to do that uh, do was, uh, after dumping some bodies in the river, first few bo- bodies, he started placing it somewhere else. And mm. uh, so that he could confuse the cops, sometimes he used to take the bodies and dump it at Portland, Oregon, which is like a little it's far a, away.
1: It's the next state. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's still a little below, far away. Yeah.
0: So that, you know, uh, the cops would be like, you know, it's not uh, the same killer. Probably there is another serial killer on, on the loose.
1: So... Uh, Unlike the others, he's tried uh, cleverly to cover his tracks.
0: Yes. So uh, he and uh, Ted Bundy actually have like almost like similar kind of personality mm. when you think about it. So Ted Bundy was actually able to figure out his uh, necrophilic habits and all that. But the thing was, uh, they couldn't find a proper fresh grave and it actually didn't help, help, help them. So uh, by uh, 19, late 1980s, the case went cold. But in between, there were like so many close calls where Gary Ridgeway was almost caught. But because of the technology which was used there and uh, the improper, you know, treatment of things, he escaped. So, uh, Gary Ridgeway was arrested in 1982 and 2001 for prostitution charges. So, they already had uh, his uh, records in the database. Okay. He was actually one of the suspects as a Green River Killer uh, by 1983. Because a witness was able to give the uh, cops a sketch of the person who was there with the woman who was killed later on. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they had a sketch and it was like almost a match with the mugshot which they had of Gary Ridgeway. And they called him in and they even uh, had a search warrant and went to his home but was not able to find anything in relation to the crimes. So, uh, he escaped and uh, again in 1987, he was called again and uh, his uh, saliva and hair samples were collected but because there was no proper DNA methods to find uh, like connect things, it was also useless and another, this was one of the major close calls. In 1984, he was, he underwent a polygraph test but he passed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't understand polygraph test. I think... uh, I mean, there have been many instances where it has failed. uh, It's not a foolproof method of uh, extracting... See, uh,
0: okay. So, I searched about it a little more and uh, there were like two reasons for this to happen. One was that uh, the FBI later on studied the records of this polygraph test and uh, said that they had actually... He had actually failed the test but they were not able to find it out. And another psychologist who had studied Gary Ridgway said that you fail a polygraph test if you feel guilty. Mm -hmm. And he says that Gary Ridgway was not the kind of person who had any guilty feelings about the crimes he had committed. Okay, so that means if in
1: your conscious mind you don't feel that you have done something wrong then you're gonna pass the polygraph test
0: that's what he, he's saying i i don't find this conclusive but, or rather you know, what
1: i meant to say was a polygraph will be failed by you
0: yeah 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 Yeah. so i don't find this conclusive but they, these are the two re, uh, two reasons i find that he might have passed the polygraph test so yeah the case went cold and uh the 25 from 25 uh active detectives full time working on this job uh, it went to two and then one finally there was no task force but uh, in early 2001 uh, because of the advancement in technology they again did a uh, research with the saliva and hair samples which they had collected from Gary Ridgway in 1987 and they made a profile of a person and they were able to connect it with the right. records they had of Gary Ridgeway from so
1: 1982 these samples were collect- collected from the victims right uh, Yeah. in 87 not yeah. from
0: uh, the 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 saliva and hair samples were collected directly from uh, Gary Ridgway how how is that possible because he was a suspect oh, okay yeah Got it. and they were able to connect it with the uh, like dna samples which were there in the you know uh, clothes and other mm-hmm, stuff which were there mm-hmm. with the uh, victims mm-hmm. and they had an arrest warrant they went there on november 30th 2001 they arrested apprehended uh, gary ridgeway and they said that you know you're arrested you we are arresting you uh, for the murder of five women at the green river valley and uh, his reaction was okay he just said okay Mm. and while on the way to the police station what he said was uh, what are you guys gonna do with my truck
1: that's all he was worried about yeah
0: so that was his reaction one more technological thing which helped was uh, there were like some paint samples which were found in the ligatures so yeah one point I missed was he used to strangle uh, his victims Mm. earlier with his hand he used to do that but later on he found that if he strangles the victims with his hand, they might, you know, inflict some uh, wounds or something and people might get suspicious. So then he started using ligatures, like rope or like some shoelace or something to strangle them. So one of these uh, ligatures had this paint samples and one of the bra which the victim was wearing had this paint samples. And it was not an ordinary paint. Uh, It is something which is specifically used to like paint trucks and uh, they were able to figure out it's the same paint which was used in uh, Kenworth uh, truck factory Mm -hmm. where Gary Ridgeway worked. So they were able to connect three, four more murders uh, to Gary Ridgeway through this way. And uh, that's why I mentioned uh, his workplace earlier on because it it has some uh, Significance. significance. So he was caught and there was like total disbelief his wife, wife, his family, everyone were like, you know, it's not, it's not him. You can't probably possibly blame him. But later on, all the evidence were against him, and uh, the prosecutor wanted him to get death penalty. But uh, there was a plea bargain thing arranged for him, so that uh, a lot of victims whose fate was not known to uh, their family members could be, you know, figured out. So. Gary Ridgeway helped the cops to find other dumb sites and victims. That's how uh, this, from like 7 or 10 murders, it reached to 49. So, even after he was incarcerated in uh, 2001, there were like a lot of cases, like a few cases which were linked to him later on. So, uh, he's currently serving his sentence, life uh, imprisonment with par- without parole. We have put a monster behind bars after you know like 19 years of not knowing who committed such such atrocities it's hard to think that such people exist but it's it it es- escapes me how someone can't care about you know other people's life and just take it in an instance well that might be something that we'll never know the answer for